Recently, I was in my car and a phone call was forwarded to me that came into my office. It was Brenna. She's a college student and she isn't graduated yet, but she wanted to know if she could buy a home right out of college. We talked for a bit and you know what I told her? You can do this. Let's go. What is up, my scholastic homies? Hey, everybody, it's David Sedoni here. And although I am not a college graduate myself since I dropped out to sing and dance in a movie with Batman, which made my parents so proud of me, I have spent a lifetime around people involved in education at all different levels, undergraduates, graduate students, med students, trade school peeps, and they all have one thing in common, some crappy apartment that they rented while they were getting ready to get their careers going. I'm stoked to bring you this episode on how college graduates with very little credit history and no employment history can actually get a bank to get them a loan to buy their first home, thus avoiding random Craigslist apartment roommates and all of the mess that comes with that. Now, before I begin today's episode, this episode, like many of the episodes that I throw out into the etherweb for your entertainment and education fun time, some of these tips and hacks are not going to apply to you. As I mentioned earlier, I never finished my college degree, but it doesn't mean that I didn't learn a thing or two about being a 20-something for my friends who graduated from college. And most importantly, now, as the first-time buyer real estate guru, I have spent lots of time learning how every type of buyer, graduate, non-graduate, whatever, they all have a plan, and as long as you're working that plan, you can get to the finish line. I was fortunate enough that I had a myriad of an arrange of strange and wonderful people influence me all throughout my 20s with all different kinds of lifestyles, and I learned from each and every one of them. Perhaps that's why this podcast definitely gives tips for everybody all over the spectrum, all levels of income, support systems, general life and adulting knowledge, because nobody actually teaches you how to buy your first home the right way. Whether you're in the military or you've been working full-time since you were 16 years old or you're a college undergraduate getting ready to graduate or you're some smarty pants alphabet soup academic with a master's degree, an MD, a PhD, or an ABBA. All right, you got me. That last one's not a degree. That's ABBA, the Swedish supergroup formed in Stockholm in 1972, formed by Angnetha Fogstug, Bjorn Ulvaeus, Benny Andersson, and Annie Fried Leinstad. Yeah, and Getha Bjorn Benny Anne, A-B-B-A, ABBA, get it? Hey, don't worry, we're not here today to talk about popular Scandinavian bands who got their music turned into a Broadway musical. Nope, we're here to talk about the specific tips for college people with some other basic things that everybody, including our non-academic college people, can use as well. In this episode, I'm going to go over building credit history when you are young. Also something you can do when you're older, but this is good tips for you younger listeners. Handling student loan debt and still getting approved for a home loan. We're also going to talk about getting a home loan without two years of steady employment. And finally, I'm going to wrap things up with a big announcement for 2023. When it comes to buying a home out of college, I've got Brenna who called me on the phone. I actually have another example, a dude named Drake that just reached out to me the other day. Quick side note, 
There was another example before this in an actual interview, episode 129. That's where I interviewed Quasi, who got a home mortgage only five months after he graduated, and he only had to use one income while his partner stayed in grad school. Now, for the two examples we're going to talk about today, Bren is 21 and turning 22. She never wants to rent, and she lives in a more rural area. Drake is 22. He lives in a bigger city, and he's about to graduate with a degree in finance. Both heard the interview episodes on the couple of 19-year-olds on the podcast and how they bought homes, and they said, well, geez, I want to do it too. Bren is getting ready to graduate. She's got a job all lined up, and she never wants to rent. Drake said that he began listening to the podcast a month ago, and it really opened his eyes. He never thought he was truly close to buying a home, and he didn't realize the power of paying off someone else's mortgage, burning money. He wants to buy a home the summer after he graduates, so he never has to rent. Now, let's start with Brenna. She's ready to take the first step. She's almost done with her degree, and she just wanted to see if she could qualify, since obviously she isn't working right now while being a full-time student. She's going to get her degree in elementary school education. She's going to be making not tons of money. We're talking five figures here. And because she's in a rural area, she's going to be getting a job and she's looking at homes anywhere between $150,000 and $180,000. So first thing she wanted to know was what she could do to build her credit history. Since she knew that 21 turning 22 years old, this is a big place she was lacking in her credit score pie. If you haven't heard me say it before, Google credit score pie chart to see how your credit score calculation is divided up. It's basically about 35% payment history, 30% amount of what you're using or what you owe, sometimes called your credit usage. And then it's 15% credit history. And it's tough to have history when, like I said, you're only 21, 22 years old. And then the last 10% is credit mix and 10 more percent is new credit. So I guess that wasn't the last 10%. Not quite the math for your pie. Sorry, gang. So the first tip is one that takes going back in a time machine for at least for Brenna. Anyone out there is listening on your 18th birthday, get a credit card or two immediately. Immediately. I don't care if you think that debt ruins lives. We are a society where credit score matters. And look, If you're under 18 years old and you're listening to this podcast, either you're a responsible person or you know a responsible person who's making you listen to this. Otherwise, I would not be in your ear holes. So just do it. Get a card. You need years of history. And this is the system. I wish it wasn't, but it is. I'm teaching you guys how to play the game. But don't rack up debt and don't come crying to me if you use your card. Stupid. I assume if you're doing it just to get credit history that you understand how they work and that you know how to handle it. So be safe with your credit card. Don't do drugs. Don't ever leave your drink unattended at a party and never date a theater major and expect them to have a job later on in life. Trust me on that last one. Now, Drake's getting ready to graduate and he began his credit card journey at the age of 18. Wow. Even before the podcast was around and he shows a dope credit score of like 750 already. Remember, that is only one score of 28, 36. I've heard different things. Could be a bazillion credit scores you actually have. So getting that checked out with a legitimate unicorn lender and a unicorn team, that's going to be essential for Drake. But 750 is great, right at top tier, going to get awesome interest rates and loan programs. The moral of these two stories on credit, it's this. Go back and listen to episodes 3, 8, 56, 61, 64, and 90 to learn all about credit and the Mario Kart Super Invincibility Star for your credit score. The authorized user. 
That's how you build your history. That's how you get your star and cruise around and run over everybody with no worries. That's what I told Brenna to do, and she's on it. Now, if you don't have a trusted family member to go do an authorized user for you, I got a real quick PSA. Do not go online and pay someone to let you be an authorized user on their account. This is a super sketchy scam, and it scares the crap out of me. I actually saw a guy on TikTok selling this idea as something he was doing as a side hustle to make passive income, selling his own credit history to other people. This is not cool. Stay away from this. But if you're not fortunate enough, you don't have an authorized user as an option in your life, then you can get a secured credit card. And basically, you just give them money and then they give you a credit line for that amount and give them the money that you would use for the necessities, food, gas, utilities, even tuition. It can be a great way to build up your credit when you're between 18 and 20 something. And if you still have more questions, go back and listen to episodes three, eight, 56, 61, 64, and 90, and keep that credit score going up. The next thing that Brennan was worried about was her student loans. Episode 126 has this topic covered in detail. So many people feel so burdened by that huge number looming over them like, I don't know, fill in your metaphor here. What looms over you that scares the crap out of you? I understand. And so with that big looming thing, there are a lot of people who don't even do research on how a bank evaluates your ability to get a loan. Now, when it comes to home loan, it's based on monthly numbers, not your gross amount of debt. And I realize you might have a gross amount, meaning icky, gross, huge of student debt, but that's not how the banks look at you. So let's see how it works. Let's compare. I pulled this number out, $28,400 of student debt. Let's compare that to credit card debt and see what the banks see. So I know you're thinking, why the weird number? Why 28,400? Well, because I'm an evil man and I want to give you the most difficult calculations I can because deep down, I just do this podcast to piss you off because that's the only thing that brings me joy in this life. No, no. I do that because 28400 is the national student loan average balance. Now, I know some of the people that I've talked to before, if they had $28,400 and that was all they had on their balance, they'd be stoked. So I know that number might be small to some of you. Oh, who knows? Might be huge to some of you as well, but that is the national average. So if yours is 10 times that, then just listen to my little example and do the math based on your numbers. Okay. So based on the average interest rate on a student loan of 4.66%, the average payment on $28,400 is $297 a month. Okay, remember that. Right now, the average monthly payment is $297 for the average student loan at the average interest rate. Now, take that same 28,400 gross debt and take it out of student loan and drop it into a revolving credit card payment. Now, that national average is 19% interest and the monthly payment is $733 a month. So again, exact same gross, $28,400, but it costs $297 a month for the student loan, $733 for the credit cards. So with the same amount of debt, $28,400, the bank thinks that the student loan debtor can afford $536 more a month on a mortgage. You get it? See, the banks do not look at your gross debt. I don't care if you owe fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars on a student loan. They don't look at your gross. They look at your monthly payment. What they look at 
is your monthly debt to income ratio. And your monthly debt is calculated purely by your payments, not by the whole number that you owe on all of your debt. Debt to income ratio is how much do you bring in every month minus just your monthly payments out. So in this case, the person with the average student loan debt is actually going to be approved for $75,000 more on their mortgage because their monthly payment is $536 less than that credit card gross, which has a truly gross interest rate. So student loans should not be holding you back. Please, please, please do not just sit and wait a year or two or five after you graduate before you dig deep into understanding how your student loan works. And most importantly, before you dig deep into understanding how it is not necessarily hindering you and that you do have options. Because by thinking you have no options, you sit there and just basically take whatever they set you up with. Do not let the student loan scare you into doing nothing and never even exploring your options. You could be wasting years renting and tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars in rising rents and the potential equity that you're missing out on. And just in general, there's probably a better way if you haven't looked at your student loan in a little while, there's probably a better way that you could be doing it. One of the biggest mistakes I see for 20-somethings, even 30-somethings, is so many college students with loans, they never ask what they could be doing to improve their situation. I'm not talking about buying a house. I'm just talking about improve their situation. They think, okay, I got that. I have that debt. That's my burden. That's my cross to bear. And then they just go nose to the grindstone. And they think that they have no options. And this is just this giant anchor weighing them down. It's years of wasted opportunity. And you could find out that there are several things that you could be doing. All that stuff is in episode 126. And trust me, you got to jump on that because that's step one to saving and budgeting towards buying a home. In fact, you should listen to that. A lot of that I took from my boy, Adam Carroll, who's a huge advocate for student loans and helping people out with that. It should be like required before you graduate and get to walk, you have to follow and learn and understand how your student loan works. Even if you're going to be moving back in with your parents. In fact, that's where I see people bury their head more because now they move back home and they're living rent-free and they think, "Ah, I don't have to think about that. Okay. What about the whole employment thing? Everybody always says it's a staple, it's a norm, it's a standard in real estate. You can't get a home loan without two years of steady employment. No, absolutely not. That is wrong. Truth bomb. This is a myth. Now, is it optimal? A lot of times, yeah, sure it is. But not everybody's working a regular W-2, W-4 job and has two years history. I've seen it work countless times without two years of work. Sometimes you just need a contract with a brand new employer or just one pay stub at a new job. That's it. And in the case of Brenna who called me, well, she was just like Quasi from episode 129, another example of how to get a home mortgage before you have two years coming right out of college. If you've got a degree, in the case of Brenna, it was finishing her degree in elementary education, and then you've got a job offer in the field that you just got your degree in, you're almost a shoe in to get a mortgage. Quasi got one in five months, and we're working on getting Brenna set up before she walks for graduation. And Drake, our other example, he's a baller. He's 22 years old, got his credit all hooked up since he was 18 years old. He's studying finance with one semester left to go. He's already got a job offer accepted in a 
you know, because he's in one of those big cities. So he's studying for his Series 7 big financial test to be a financial advisor. And he knows the best way to build his own financial freedom is to start with this base. So we're going to look into using his job offer that he's already got and getting him approved for a home loan. Brandon's situation is a little different because she's going to be a teacher, but right now they don't know where they're going to place her. So we're going to start working on her financials first. And when we nail that down, then we're going to put together her complete unicorn team with the financials and the realtor in the right area. She's got some money saved and it makes sense for her, even with a small down payment in a rural area, to buy instead of rent because the mortgage is going to be the same as renting. She also has figured out and told me it doesn't matter what how much it costs, she's going to house hack with roommates because she's a teacher and they don't get paid enough. Remember, right now, if you have low debt and you want to buy a $200,000 home, you can do it with today's interest rates at the end of 2022 for about $56,000 a year annual income. $200,000 home, you need to make about $56,000 a year. $400,000 home, you have to make about $98,000 a year. And that could be you and a partner. And we should definitely see some improvement in those numbers in 2023 as the mortgage interest rates drop going into next year. Now, Drake knows he's ending up at his job in a pretty big city, and he's been working this plan since high school. He knew he always wanted to buy a home and open a portfolio at the time he was like 18 years old and using that portfolio to help him buy a home. So this could potentially be just someplace for him to live, or it could be that first investment piece. And he's going to be asking his grandparents and his parents in a slideshow presentation recommended from me in my annual Beg Your Parents for Money Thanksgiving episode. I'm so stoked on that. I actually just sent him some, some good slides he could use in his presentation the other day. He's going to tell them why he wants to buy, and he hopes that some family is going to step up and help him out when they see that he's actually being responsible. And hey, don't freak out on me. Look, I realize this isn't for everyone. I am keenly aware of how entitled I am as a 52-year-old straight white dude from Orange County, Southern California. I completely get it. But I want to make sure that everybody understands all their options, no matter where you are. And I try to help everybody with all the different things that you can do. And this is something I haven't really talked about before. Drake actually told me his parents are not rich. Like going to them and asking for money is a big deal. That's why he wants to do the whole little presentation thing. So if you think he's asking for 20% down on a $400,000 home, think again. So even if you don't have options yourself, now Drake's asking for a few thousand dollars for 200, maybe $300,000 home. If that's where you're at and you don't have any options, then you can start your own 5% down saving plan for whatever home is going to be someplace that you're looking at in the neighborhoods immediately out of college. I strongly encourage you to do this. It'll help you create options, options, options. I say it again. It's not about interest rate. It's not about research. It's about save budget and give yourself options. When you have all those options, then you can make even more savvy decisions with the types of loans, the types of homes, and the types of neighborhoods. Look, if you're still in school, graduations can be a gigantic windfall. So I recommend you set up a GoFundMe or Kickstarter for all your graduation gifts. Tell people that the one thing you want for busting your butt in college all these years is down payment on house. So college students and recent graduates, that's all the info that you need for your credit score, your student loan misconceptions and unfounded fears, 
your employment requirements, which could be way, way less than two years, depending on your situation. And of course, talking to your family about trying to figure out how to get yourself a home. Now, I realize today's episode pretty geared towards those hoity-toity academic types, people going to college, but 2023 is going to be the year of the first-time home buyer, no matter who you are. If you're a homie, you may have noticed a little break in my episode drops because I've been working tirelessly behind the scenes on the all-new 2023 first-time homebuyer baby steps starter kit. How do you start? Where do you start? Can you do this? What the hell do I do? It's a super jump starter education program. It's going to be all for the low, low cost of free. Come on. What do you think? Free. It's like everything I do on the podcast. I know my business is going to eventually grow when the revolution takes full effect. Okay. So besides, I started this because I was, and I still am pissed off at how you first time homebuyers get treated. I act like a crotchety old boomer, not a boomer. I'm a late Gen Xer. So this is me giving back. You guys deserve the truth. And uh, I'm going to put all this stuff out for free. All you got to do for me is help me out and share the podcast to all your friends. Share it to everybody that you can think of. And if you missed me for the last couple of weeks, I understand. Go back and listen to some topics that maybe you need a little refresher on. Hopefully you're working your plan and there are some things that maybe you didn't understand the first time and now you need to go back and listen to. And don't be mad at me for not posting for a week or two. There's an entire alphabet and glossary of episodes. You telling me you've memorized all that stuff? I don't think so. So do me a favor. We're going to get all that new content out to you the beginning of next year. Share it with your friends and family. Chat about the podcast on Reddit, on discords, on all your social medias. Tell everybody about it. 2023 shouldn't be the year of New Year's resolutions for not eating sugar and going to the gym. Okay, fine. Maybe it should be. I don't care. You do you. But I'm telling you, 2023 is going to be a big year for first-time homebuyers. And even if you can't buy, you definitely should start your plan. Stop listening. Start doing. 2023 is going to be the year. The timing is right. Get on it. The year of the first-time homebuyer is upon us. You can do this. 